I want to make a reference before I get to my text here. John chapter 12, um, the Jewish historian Josephus recorded that during the days of the Passover, there could be as many as two million people in Jerusalem during that time uh, to celebrate the Passover. And in John chapter 12, we find the account where there were two Greeks there. And they went to Philip and they said to him, Sir, we would see Jesus. I don't know if it was because they had heard that he had raised Lazarus from the dead or they had heard about some of the miracles. Scripture does not indicate why they wanted to see him uh, but it says they wanted to see Jesus I relate that to our our services today in all that we do whether it be in the worship service or the preaching of the word our endeavor is and must always be that we see Jesus I believe if we have an encounter with him, everything will change. And so I want to talk to you about his desire this morning for the church. Christ's desire for the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Thank you as you stand and honor the reading of the word. Let me read that verse again. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that throughout this service you will speak to hearts and you will accomplish in each one of us what you desire here today. I pray that everyone here will leave different from the way in which they come in. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says, Understand what the will of the Lord is. Then in verse 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That is the will of God for the church today. Amen. I want to take you with me for just a few moments and just to, to give you the reason that I'm going to come down on the floor level. Uh, since I've gone into uh, evangelistic uh, ministry, uh, and I've been invited to preach in different churches. Uh, I looked up Victory Temple uh, website before I came. Uh, I wanted to see uh, what you were accustomed to uh, as far as the ministry of Brother Jacob, uh, whether he stayed at the pulpit uh, or whether he came where you are at. And I saw him all over the front of the building. Uh, and I asked the youth pastor, from what I observed, uh, it appeared that 
Brother Jacob was in the front of the church, or maybe it was Brother Rich that I mentioned. He, one of them said to me, oh, sometime he's all the way down the aisle. And so I can tell you this morning uh, that in this service, I don't know where I will end up, uh, but just, just help me if I end up where you are, okay? But I want to share with you uh, some things that, that emphasize the will of Jesus Christ for His church. If you turn to Luke chapter 24, in verse 49, Jesus commissions that church. And he says to that the disciples uh, to tarry into Jerusalem, uh, verse 49, uh, and wait for the promise uh, of the Father. Luke continues his writing in Acts chapter 1. And there he records after Jesus had risen from the grave. He was assembled together with them and he commanded them that they would not leave Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which Jesus said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. What interests me is the response of the disciples uh, when Jesus said that to them. They said to Jesus, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Jerusalem? What a response uh, to Jesus' command. And Jesus said to them, uh, the Father, th th there's no reason for you to concern yourself with this. I, I put in my own words, these things are in the hand or the power of God. But he said, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What Jesus was saying to that church was, I recognize the, uh, the, the, uh, the stress, the persecution, the complications that you are dealing with as Rome is in control here and what is coming after I am gone. You're going to need strength and an ability to be a witness unto me in what is coming. We can relate that to the time that we are in today. I believe we were seeing things, uh, amen, that will, that will escalate. Uh, and the, the, the more difficult and the harder they become, we need the strength and the power of God which comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made that clear when he said, you shall receive for what? To be a witness unto me. The word witness comes from a, a, the Greek word which is interpreted mortar. And Jesus was actually saying, I'm going to give you through the infilling of the Holy Spirit the ability to be a witness to me when you are put to death. God give us that same ability and power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be able to stand for him in any day and any circumstance. Now the emphasis continues. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, you know the story where Peter and John are on their way to the temple. 
and on their way, uh, the lame man is begging alms. Uh, it's an interesting observation here because Peter stops uh, and says to him, uh, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Uh, in the naming of the gate, uh, beautiful, uh, if you look that up in Greek, uh, it means at the right time. Jesus, no doubt, had passed that lame man. The disciples, no doubt, had passed the lame man. But the Holy Ghost had fallen in Acts chapter 2, and at the right time, in Acts chapter 3, Peter happened by and said, Rise up and walk. It's the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that enables us, amen, to do the works of the supernatural. Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John had this encounter and the lame man is healed, uh, the elders uh, and Jewish leaders uh, brought Peter and John in uh, and questioned them. Their question was, by what power and by what name did you do this? And Peter, take note. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. If you want to underline a verse of Scripture this, this morning that, that places all emphasis on what I'm saying. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. In verse 10 said, uh, to that council... The one whom you crucified, the one whom God raised from the dead, by him does this man stand here whole before you. And so Peter, giving an answer to the Jewish council, did so under the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to his name. I believe today, church, that we in this present hour need to be filled and full of the Holy Ghost as much as that first century church was filled with the Holy Ghost. I've watched the history. I've watched the history of Victory Temple Assembly of God. I've been here many occasions. I came to, to, to the conventions year after year and was here through the cantatas. I kept up with the School of Christ. We supported the School of Christ as until I left that church in, in, uh, uh, in Trinity. And I don't know what they're doing now, but we believed in what they were, that the school of Christ was doing. Man, I've kept up with the church and the ministry. And I watched Brother Clendenin, man, as he taught the church and preached the necessity of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire. Hallelujah. I've taken up that mantle, if you will. I told my wife, I believe God released me from that church that wherever I go, I could say to that church, it is the commission of Almighty God that you be baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire. Glory to God. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 10, I'm sorry. 
Luke continues his writing. And in chapter 10, he tells of a man named Cornelius who has a vision of an angel coming to him and saying to him, Send for Simon Peter, and he will tell you what you ought to do. And when Peter comes, Peter begins to to speak to him and those that were gathered at his house about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the glory of God falls. And the Bible says that they began to speak in other tongues. Luke continues to write in chapter 19 of Acts. Paul had gone back to Ephesus In chapter 18, he established the church. In chapter 19, he goes back to Ephesus. I want you to watch this, 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 uh, uh, what takes place. Uh, This is is around 54 A.D. When Paul goes back to Ephesus and finds a few believers and he says to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We haven't even as much as heard whether there's any Holy Ghost. They were baptized in water. Paul lays hands on them and they begin speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying follow the instruction that Jesus gave and Luke recorded in his, in his own book. And then he records in the book of Acts, follow the emphasis that, that, that Luke writes about, the church being filled with the Spirit of God. It's all through there. I don't know if you know or, or if you are familiar with Dole Jones. Anyone in here know Dole Jones? Missionary evangelist. He was the missions director of Southwestern Assemblies of God University for a number of years. And he's a, he's a, a friend of mine. I contacted him not long ago and said to him, Brother Jones, how many in the Assemblies of God have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? And he said to me, I don't know if there's anyone who knows. He said, but it's believed to be about 40%. That's staggering. About 40%. He said it's much worse in other countries. He said in Guatemala, only about 8% of the people speak in tongues. He said 70% of the pastors there do not speak in tongues. He went on to tell me there are about 600 million Pentecostal charismatic believers around the world and only 30% of them speak in tongues. When I got that information, I thought not only is it incumbent, but it is necessary that the church and the pulpit get back to the place of preaching the need of being filled with the Holy Ghost. If Jesus emphasized it, let the church of today, how is it that the church has come to the place, friends, that we believe we can do something better than what Jesus started with? I heard, I believe, sister, I'm not sure, but I believe it's Sister Brenda sitting in the back. Good to see you, sister, but I heard her 
her dad say he's not coming back for anything less than what he started for. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. He's coming. And oh, he could come before we get out of here. And if he does, we need to be full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Fill us, Lord. It is, it is the birthright of every born-again believer. Let me show you something. You're familiar with Scripture, Acts 2 and 39, where Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, and he says to that assembly gathered there, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So established in that verse of Scripture is the fact that the Holy Spirit, uh, the will of God is for the church throughout its history to be filled with the Spirit of God. I was pastoring, uh, and one of my former pastors had contacted me and said, I want you and your brother to come preach revival for me. So on Sunday morning, I would open that revival. I was in the church praying, uh, seeking God, and I knelt down at, the, at a pew on this side of the church. And God took me to 2 Kings chapter 4. While I was there, he showed me how that when the widow woman had gone to Elisha and said to him, the creditors are come, have come for a, a debt that my late husband owes. I don't have an answer. What do you have in your house? Nothing save a pot of oil. And he said to her, take your sons and go into the city and gather as many vessels as you can find. Bring them in and shut the door and take that pot and to begin to pour into the vessels. They followed the instruction. And God spoke to my heart as I'm kneeling at that front pew. As every vessel in that house was filled. He said to me before I started that revival, I'm not satisfied until every vessel in my house is filled with the oil of God. Hallelujah. Every vessel is filled with the oil of God. I looked at that story and recognized as they began to pour out of that pot and vessel after vessel began to be filled, there had to be an expectation in that room that said he's filled this one the next one will be filled he's filled this one the next one will be filled he's filled this one and so forth and after I'd preached on a Sunday morning I'd concluded the service people were being dismissed and leaving a young lady made her way to the front of the building and she said to me pastor I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost I said, okay, she's standing on one side of the altar and I on the other. And I said to her, we're going to pray that God would fill you now. And she said, this is what she did. She jumped backward and she said, oh, no, 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 not now. She said, please, pastor, don't make me do this right now. Please, not today. 
And I stopped and I said, Karen, I'm not going to make you do anything. Why don't you go home and pray? And when you're ready to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you come back. She left that, that Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, she showed up. She came to the front after I'd preached. And she said, I'm ready. I said, lift your hands. I laid my hand on her and began to pray. And she began to speak in tongues as God filled her with the Holy Ghost. You see, when there is an expectation on the part of those who are hungry, God is going to fill that individual with the, with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I, I, the, you're like, this church is like the one I pastored. There's no clock in here. And I told them for 35 years or thereabout, you can put a clock, I'll just take the hands off of it. Why? Why be filled with the Spirit of God? I've explained that it's, it's the commission given by Jesus Christ. It's an empowerment. But folks, I believe that you can agree with me. We're in a time in which there needs to be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost in the church one more time. Did you hear me? There needs to be a demonstration. We need to be past the point that, that the Pentecostal church is all about hype. The church is going out those doors after services like that and they're going to face an enemy. And it's going to be difficult and hard. We need more than enthusiasm. We need something God-given, supernatural, that's going to equip the believer to face what we must face. Amen. There are those who now challenge whether or not we should preach faith in divine healing. I was pastoring that church. A 35-year-old man was diagnosed with cancer. We, we prayed for him, sought God, but he died. One day I'm in the office. Someone came to me after between services and said the Sunday school class comment was made. Maybe we shouldn't preach divine healing anymore. He didn't heal that man. Oh, it set me on a mission. And I turned to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 And I found out that the faith of many brought deliverance When you get down to the end of that chapter It says, and there were others Oh, God help us If we're a part of those others who faced death But they did it by faith And without them, the others will not receive recognition and reward We need the power of the Holy Ghost one more time demonstrated in our churches if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul is writing to that church giving instruction about the gifts of the spirit and here as he writes uh, he tells us that the gifts are given uh, as the Spirit desires or wills. We do not operate in those gifts uh, at will. I've lived in this a long, long time. I I'm 65 years old. 
and I've been preaching over 40 years. I've watched what's happened in the church. I've watched what's come in, went out. And we need today those in the church who are earnestly seeking the gifts of the Spirit in their life. Why, preacher? So that they may be used of God uh, for the demonstration of the power of God. Listen, there are those in our day and time uh, who are now questioning. They are doubting whether or not uh, the, uh, their supernatural works and miracles. Uh, and we need the church to rise to the occasion by the operation of the Holy Spirit uh, and the gifts of the Spirit uh, working in that church. Uh, amen. That people may be healed. They may be delivered. Uh, they may be set free. Uh, Acts chapter 3, I mentioned it to you how Peter raised uh, or the, the lame man. Acts chapter 9, he's, he's praying for Dorcas uh, and he raises her from the dead. Acts chapter 19 when Paul's at Lystra and he perceives that a man who is lame has faith to be healed and he said rise up on your feet and he rose up and praised the Lord God make it work one more time I've got to hurry I've, got, I've, I've laid a foundation I've got to preach in a minute In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying all ways with supplication and prayer in the Spirit. Notice how that that verse is connected with Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus when he says, put on the whole armor of God. Mark verse 13, because Paul tells the church why. They should put on the whole armor of God. He said that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. That means being filled with the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. I want to share some things with you over the next few moments uh, that I trust is going to inspire you and encourage you as believers, not only to be filled with the Spirit of God, but that you continually pray in the Spirit. God's given the church the capability of communicating with Him on a level that neither you nor the devil can understand. After he writes about the gifts of the Spirit, you turn over to the 14th chapter, verse 2. And the Scripture says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, but in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Listen, folks. There's not a one of us knows what's going to happen this afternoon. We make plans. We... We think we'll do this and we'll do that, but we don't know what's going to happen. But the Spirit of God does know. And as we pray in the Spirit, we're praying mysteries. We're praying on the level with God. For that the enemy does not understand, uh, Gordon Lindsay said that God can give uh, 
his people the ability to communicate with God on a level that the devil does not understand through speaking in tongues. Hear what I'm about to tell you. Todd Smith pastors a church in northern Georgia. And one of the books that he wrote, he said a Satanist told him that they hate who pray in tongues, churches who pray in tongues. He said, we have the ability to see in the spirit realm. And when they, he referred to them as they, when they are praying in the spirit, he said, we can see an increase in angelic activity as they dash across the sky on divine mission. When I heard about that, it it touched my heart to think praying in the Spirit. Amen. It is bringing us in a place with God that only God understands and the devil don't understand. We don't understand. But it com- he commissions angels on our behalf. Every one of us need the help of God and the strength of God. Now, Praying in the Spirit will edify you. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. The word edify originally meant uh, taking one brick and laying it on top of another to build a home. And so as we pray in the Spirit, we are building up the inner man. We are strengthening the spirit man. You see that? Every one of us need strength in our spirit. Come on. Come on. Are you with me? Hey, man, I'm, I, I, I didn't hear anything over there. I'm coming over here. They're helping me better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but in the spirit, as we, or as we pray in the spirit, we're building up that, that spirit man. Now, Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 8. We're familiar with that chapter, but if you turn to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of God or the Spirit. And he makes intercession on our behalf according to the will of God. So when we're praying in the Spirit, we're praying the will of God. Listen, you will never pray amiss when you're praying in the Spirit. You will always pray according to the will of God. R.W. Schambach in 1960 was preaching in New York. And while he was preaching, a lady came up the aisle and approached him and said, I've never done anything like this, but it's 9.30 and at 10 o'clock they're going to execute my son in an electric chair for a murder he did not commit. 
Brother Shambach began praying in the Spirit. And then he began praying in English. And he said, God, let the Holy Spirit move on the real killer and make him turn himself in. He said to that mother, go home and go to bed. Your boy is going to be spared. Brother Shambach went to the hotel, went to bed. The next morning when he got up, he was on his way to a diner. Put the money in the machine and pulled the paper out. And the headline said, man, uh, man spared from the electric chair. Told which page. He opened that paper up and read. And it was that mother's boy that had been spared. Watch this. The night before, the paper said that the killer had called the district attorney and had confessed and went to the right precinct and turned himself in and told them, I never intended to do this, but at 940 last night, something got a hold of me. Woo! Something got a hold of me. And he said, I'm here to confess so you don't kill the wrong man. Listen, folks, uh, you can say what you want, believe what you want, but I've come too far. I know this day, morning, uh, amen, the works and the power of the Holy Ghost. I told you about cancer. Many, many nights she went to bed. I'm on the front of the, uh, at the couch with the Bible open, uh, praying Scripture and seeking God. Uh, amen. I'm driving up Interstate 45, and my phone uh, makes a noise, uh, and I get a message from my twin brother, Amen. And he said, Psalms 118, 17 and 18, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Though he's chastened me, yet I shall not die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As though that was not enough. Brother B.J. Smith, who was the presbyter at Texarkana at that time, I didn't know he even knew who I was. Late one night, he sent me a text. Brenda was in bed. I wrote it down out of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13. You know those verses. God has a plan for you. A plan that's good and not evil. To bring you to an expected end. Even though that didn't seem enough for me. I'm reading the Bible one night. I'm, I read on iPad, I've been a juvenile diabetic since I was 23 months old on insulin. I like to read the iPad. It's lit up and I can make the words bigger. I was closing my reading out for the night and I'd finished John chapter 10. I, I was closing, but I'd turned to John chapter 11 and my eyes fell there at verse 4, Jesus was talking to the disciples in John 11 about Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. And these are the words that God used to speak to my heart. 
for this sickness, verse 4, is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. That was in 07. And then in 2013, we're 10 years right at it moved away. And she's here this morning. <laughs> and I give God praise and honor and glory. Why? Because he's God. His word is true and it's real. We pray in the spirit and we pray the will of God. I'm going to close here in a few minutes. Just give me just a few more minutes if you will. But we pray the will of God. Watch this. I don't know about you, but I raised, we raised our children in church. Our son was two and a half years old. Our daughter, eight, year, eight months old, when we went to pastor that church. Our daughter's 40 years old now, and she's away from God. At one time, I would have put her in about the top ten Christians that I've ever known. But God, she, she began to, to move away from God and make decisions, and she's away from God to this day. And many, many times, uh, Mama and me are praying for her. And I've came to the understanding and conclusion what I'm asking God to do and how to do it may not be God's will. It is His will that He save her. But how He saves her is not up to me. And so I begin to pray. And I've shared with my wife. I, I tell everyone I'm, I'm still pastoring a church. I have one member and at 70 miles an hour, it's a captive audience. She can't get out. And I preach to her going down the highway. But I tell her, I've shared with her, as we pray in the Spirit, we're praying the will and the mind of God. We may be saying, God, savor. Don't look at me with ill effects as I say this but sometimes we get desperate when we say Lord even if it has to be she has to be taken to hard places you ever pray anything like that? anybody but me come on I'm barely putting my hand up but I want to see yours if you prayed that come on put it up there I relate that to the prodigal son but I've come to the place of understanding that I may be trying to direct God to do something one way as I pray with understanding. But when I'm praying in the Spirit, <laughs> the Spirit of God may be saying, I'll never do it your way, but what I'll do is I'll bring a co-worker alongside of her. <laughs> that every day is a reminder of who I am. Conviction will fall on her. We're, we're going to see her. We're going to meet her in Mississippi tomorrow afternoon. And she's away from God. And we're seeking God and praying that some way we can say something that will cause her to, to, to find a place of repentance. And I'm praying in the Spirit because the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And He will pray what it will take to get a hold of her. Pray in the Spirit, folks, and you will not pray amiss. Pray in the Spirit. Two more things, I'm finished. Number one, 
I grew up in League City, Texas as a little boy. And on a Sunday night, uh, we, had, we had church back then on Sunday night, Wednesday night, every other night it seemed like at times. I mean, I mean, Mama would take us to church if we needed to do something, go in that nursery, get, get done what you need to do. And, uh, but we went to church. I was 13 years old. It was July the 4th. Imagine that, having church on July the 4th. That was the day, 1971. I couldn't tell you what Brother Mills preached to save my life, but all I know is while he was preaching, something was moving in me. I walked up to the front, and Sister Mills began praying with me, and she prayed till she was exhausted, and she said, Roger, do what you want to do. Clap your hands. Just do whatever you want to do. I began clapping my hands and speaking in tongues. My mom was in that service, uh, and she said, God, they came into this world five minutes apart. Don't let one get the Holy Ghost tonight and not the other. And my twin brother was standing uh, on that side of the church at the altar. I'm, I'm fresh and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, at 13, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, all I knew is something just happened to me. And I walked over to where he was, uh, and I just put my hand on him and prayed. Uh, and as soon as I put my hand on him, he began to speak in tongues. Uh, hallelujah. God took my brother home in 2020 with COVID. He died. What my Outside of my wife, the greatest friend I've ever had, I miss him. But I thank God heaven's going to be a reunion and a place of celebration and joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Now, I want to finish with this. In Luke chapter 11, turn there. Luke chapter 11, I want to read these verses of Scripture. Verse 9 through verse 13. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Could I get the, the praise team back up here for, with me, please? Is that customary? I didn't watch that much of the service. Uh, you want to just see how Brother Jacob was preaching. <laughs> he preached for me when I was pastoring. I know what he did then, but I didn't know what he did while he, as he's pastoring this church. I've done my best this morning to lay it before you. The will of Jesus Christ for the church.
to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And once you have been filled, that you would consistently pray in the Spirit. I'd like to ask as they come and play uh, and minister in this closing time of the service, uh, those of you who are here, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, but you want to be. I want you just to get up from where you are and come join us. We're going to pray with you. We're going to join you. Uh, there's no reason uh, that we should try to hide this, make it secret, make anyone bow their heads. Uh, but you earnestly desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're here. You've never been filled. Would you please come? Anyone? Anyone? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I want you that will to come and join. Some of you, if you'll come and join with our, our sister here who's come to seek 